Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. Today, uh, I want to tell you what happened, that we, where, where we got where we are today. We have Janet Boynes with us today. And uh, here's, here's what happened. Uh, Jeannie and I read her book, one of her books, all right? And I'll encourage you, her books are phenomenal, all right? But uh, we read one of her books, and we thought, oh, if we could just get her to come. So we contacted her. This was over a year ago, okay? Contact her ministry. And uh, they said, well, she's booked all the way to 2024. And so we booked her for June of 2024, all right? And then a couple of weeks ago, uh, we find out that they accidentally put her on for this year. <laughs> and we're like, oh, well, that's not what we planned. But sometimes, how many know God's got better plans than we do? All right. And so we're just so glad that you're here, Janet. And uh, we are looking forward to today, this morning, and again tonight. So what, what I asked to do with her today was I asked if I could, like, interview her. So for so those who don't know, um, I believe that it was for 14 years you lived a lesbian lifestyle. I did. First of all, I want to thank you for having me, you and Jeannie. It's been a blessing. All right. Well, looking back at, at, at your life, we're just going to jump right in, okay? And, and you, you know what you can do. You, you know, when you get interviewed, people ask you questions, but you just talk about what you want to talk about. Right. Okay. So... I realize you may, you may get off question here, but that's fine. <laughs> Looking back, what led you into living a lesbian lifestyle? That's a great question, but let me, let me just say something about the way I answer a question. My good friend, Michelle Bachman, one time I asked her about it, how she interviewed. She said, they'll ask me the question, I'll think about it, and then I answer it the way I want to answer it. Come on, yeah. <laughs> so that's what I normally do. But, you know, living a homosexual life wasn't something I planned. When, you know, I was out playing sports, just enjoying childhood life and playing basketball. But so many people would say to me, you know, are you a lesbian? You know, back in my era, it wasn't called that. You're either a whack or something like that, you know, um, it wasn't what they're calling it today. And hey, you, you should tell people, you say your era. You do not era. look your age. So you probably should say something. Because nobody's even going to believe it when you tell them. But they... I'm 65. But, yeah, that's why I say our, my era. It was a long time ago. However, <laughs> you know, I, I thank God for giving me this youthful look. But being raised in a family of seven kids, four different fathers, you say four different fathers, you know, that's trauma in and of itself. Yes. You know, obviously I was born out of wedlock and it's sad for me because I assumed that there was this one guy that was my father that really wasn't, but he was an alcoholic. He raised all my siblings and myself, but he did father the three kids that are under me and he was my dad. However, he was an alcoholic and fights would break out at our home on a regular basis. Anytime he didn't come home on a Friday night, we knew we would be up all weekend because fights would break out. And that's what we are accustomed to. So he would come home on the weekend 
and we would always be crying, yelling, you know, asking him to stop beating on my mother. We saw her one day get knocked down the steps and just lay there. We thought she was gone. So when you're dealing with that type of trauma and you are watching these things happen in your home, what you assume, Pastor, is that's how you handle problems. Mm -hmm. And I tell parents, you know, a lot of times our kids start acting out as I did. And my parents used to blame me and tell me I was a bad kid. Well, I was mimicking what they were doing in the house. I thought what they were doing was the right things. And a lot of times we're training our kids up, but sometimes we're training them up to say some of the things that we're saying to each other. A lot of the battering going back and forth in our homes, our kids are listening. And they assume that that's how you handle problems, as I did. While I got kicked out of school on a regular basis, my peers didn't like me, the teachers didn't like me, I just constantly got in trouble all the time. And it wasn't because I was a bad student or I was a bad kid. Bad things were happening to me. Because whenever I got kicked out of school, my mom had us dressed butt naked. And we got beaten with stension cords on a regular basis or a switch. That's trauma. We were afraid of our mother because we didn't know what she was going to do to us. However, what was done to her is what she was doing to us. You know, my mother was illiterate. She didn't read. We read everything. She had her first child in the seventh grade and she dropped out of school. My motto is when you know better, you do better, but we didn't know any better. As time went on, my oldest sister, the the man that my mother was married to, that my mother was no longer with, was my oldest sister's father and my youngest sister and I would follow her down to his house on a regular basis. And then eventually I wind up getting raped by that one man. And I didn't tell anybody for a long time because I knew my mother and I thought I would get whipped really bad and you did not want to get any of my mother's weapons. They were horrible. I was bruised quite a bit. But not only physically, but also in my mind and in my heart. I was broken. My mother didn't really give us the love and the attention that we really needed, but how can you give something that you never received? As time went on, I wind up having a close relationship with my eighth grade English teacher and her husband. Took me under their wing. She was my eighth grade English teacher. He was a social studies teacher. And the school was in outrage. How can you take the worst kid in the school who probably won't live past 21 and take her under your wing. Well, I believe your steps are ordered, even at that age. In 1976, I graduated from high school. My eighth grade English teacher works for NEA, the National Education Association. I will talk about that this evening, which I hope everybody comes out, because it will be powerful. When you know better, you do better, and we need to be educated. Mm -hmm. But she moved to Minneapolis, Minnesota, and I wind up following her after I went to college at Cheney State University for a few years and I wind up going back to school and that's where I met a woman which I believe was the angel. You know I cannot find this woman today that invited me to church. I got saved, wind up coming home and telling my whole family about Jesus and literally, and I'm not exaggerating, I scared all seven kids into giving their heart to the Lord. I scared (laughs) them to death. At least they said the salvation prayer, knowing going back to Minnesota, at least I knew that if they died, they would be with Jesus. However, there's certain things I won't talk about that I will talk about tonight, but let me just say this. I went back and there was a guy that I met that I thought I would marry, and I'll show his picture tonight. But that never happened because three months before I was supposed to walk down the aisle, I wind up having a sexual relationship with a woman. 
that tells me, one, where I was at in my walk with God. I thought I was rooted and grounded, but for something to sway me the way it did, obviously, I wasn't that deeply rooted. And I walked away from my faith for 14 years. And tonight, I hope you come out because you'll find out how I came back to the Lord, how faithful he is. Is there something, looking back, that you could have done or someone around you could have done to have prevented you from falling into the lifestyle that you fell into? Yes. I I think it's really important, parents, and I know many of you have children that are probably adults and married, but it's never too late. And many of you probably still have young children. I think validation is so important. God created us to be loved and valued. Our children, your children should know where they stand with you besides on your own two feet. They should know without a shadow of a doubt how much you love them. Dads, I know sometimes you can get busy. I know sometimes work takes you away from home, but please validate your boys. Mm -hmm. You have to spend time with them. You have to find a way. I know you come home tired. You're going to have to dig down deep and ask God to give you extra strength and and just some more, you know, energy because our boys need to be validated. Same thing with our daughters. They need to be validated. If we don't validate our children, they will seek approval from other people. Now, it could be an aunt or uncle, which, which is fine. But what if they are really looking for that validation? They don't get it from you. They will look for it from another man or another woman. And that's what we're trying to avoid, and that's what we're trying to prevent. It's not too late. It's never too late. You can start somewhere. But at the same time, what I realized, a lot of us are broken. We didn't get that, and we don't know how to do it. And I think we have to get to a place where we humble ourselves. Go to another brother in the Lord, as I'm doing even today at 65. I'm still getting counseling. I'm still dealing with things from my childhood. And you know what? I'm not ashamed of it. Because what I am able to do is now hopefully convince you that it's never too late. Until Jesus go home, we're going to deal with things. But I think it's important that we deal with our issues so we can continue to help other family members. And and you may think, well, I've already blown it. Uh, Just realize there's no parent that parents perfect. In fact, I remember, uh, I don't remember what the issue was with our son, Daniel. He wanted to do something and, and... and we just said, in fact, I said no, um, but maybe it was we said. I remember I said no. And, and he said, he said, I just want you to know that the reason I'm turning out so great is not because you're perfect parents, because you're not. <laughs> he said, the reason I'm turning out so great is because I love God. But, but here's, here's the deal. Every parent will make mistakes. And you just may need to go to your kids and say, hey, I have not done this the way I should. I've made mistakes in the way I've treated you. I've made mistakes in things I've said to you, and I am sorry. And here's the truth. I love you. You're awesome. God has a great plan for your life. And you need to validate those kids. And because you've made a mistake, all that that means is you're normal. And you just need to go and say, hey, I blew it. I was wrong. And begin to validate them. And say, if, if I make a mistake, forgive me, but I love you. You're great. All right. Now, my next question. 
How would, how should a parent respond if somebody that they love, a parent or, or someone you love in your family, extended family, comes to you and says, I am gay? That's a big question because it might happen. You know, you think about AIDS. We didn't think it would impact our families. I'll yeah. talk about that tonight too because it did impact my family. But homosexuality will impact you one way or another if it's a family member or a friend. Sometimes when that happens, the first thing we want to do is react. And, and I understand that. I'm not a parent. I don't have any children. But the first thing is to raise that, react and say, I didn't raise you that way. You know we don't support that. Sometimes you might have to pause. Take it in. Listen. That's why God gave us two ears. Maybe hear what he or she is saying and then say to them, I can't give you an answer right now. I can't talk about it right now because this is a shock. Mm -hmm. Will you give us some time to think about this, pray about it, try to get some counsel, and we have another conversation in about a week? That, that's not bad to do because then you can contact me and say, how do you handle this? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, or read one of my books. But let's not be the aggressor and just shoot our kids down and beat them down and make them feel worse. Because homosexuality is not the issue, it's not the problem. It's the manifestation of what's going on inside of him or her. What if they were molested and they never told you about it? What if they're looking at pornography and they never told you about it? Or they were teased at school or somebody told them they were gay and all of a sudden they kept thinking, well, I don't have a lot of friends, maybe I'm gay. Or they're getting beat up at school by the athletic guys and your son or your daughter is just not into sports or they're not fitting into a certain circle of friends. And they're just looking for a group of people that they could become friends with. We all need a community, Pastor. Mm -hmm. We're all looking for friends, every last one of us. But if we don't find it within the community we want to find it in, we'll go look for it somewhere else. So to answer that question, I think it's important to pause, you know, ask them, tell them you want to hear everything that they're saying, and then probably walk away, go in the bathroom and scream if that's what you need to do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I wanted to say something about this. Uh, it seems like in much of the Christian community, the whole LBGTQ plus is in a category all by itself. Right? But the Bible says this in Isaiah 53. It says, the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. So your iniquity might be anger. Right? Your iniquity might be something sexual. It might be pornography, but there is no person that does not have an iniquity, that there's not a sin in your life. And the Bible is very clear that he was raised, he was crucified because of our sins, right? Yours put Jesus on the cross just as much as somebody else's. And the LBGTQ is not something that the cross does not cover. Right. So if, if we have anybody in the LBGTQ community show up here at church, right? I want you to know they are welcome. I hope 25 people go up and hug them and tell them how glad they're here, that they're here. The church is not supposed to be a trophy room of perfect people. 
It's supposed to be a hospital. We're hurting people, the people that need to be delivered, people that are in bondage get set free. And we do not want to project that everybody is perfect, that nobody else has any issues, and that this issue is untouchable. It is not. It is not. Boy, I love that. We got to be kingdom advancers. You know, you we're just it. keeping the seats warm for those who are on the outside who are looking to, to come inside. I, I just love what you said. Thank okay. you. Now, here's something that some people have the idea of, that if there's an LBTTQ issue in your life, and you become a Christian, a lot of people think, well, instantly it's all going to be gone. Um, how did that work out in your life? And, and uh, help us with that. I, I like that you said that. I don't, whenever we come to know Jesus as their Lord, God, and Savior, you might hear pastors, not trying to throw pastors on the bus, or a family member, a friend might say, well, if you come and you get saved, you know, everything is just going to go away. No, it just started. Because Satan is going to make that thing bigger and bigger and the temptations get greater. You know, when you go on a diet, you know, and you're trying to get away from sugar or certain, all of a sudden you see all that same things on TV. <laughs> you know what I mean? Satan don't want us to lose weight. He wants us to feel bad about ourselves. But that's how he works. You know, when we come to know Jesus as our Lord, God, and the Savior, that's just the beginning. Yeah. That is, it's not the end, but it's the beginning and the process of dealing with what we need to deal with. That's the start, reading our Bible, praying, getting a good Bible-based church, getting involved in church. The more you get involved, the more you start building relationships in the community. I tell people, when people come out of homosexuality and they come into the church and they're excited, they're on fire, get them involved. You know, have them, you know, do something to help people alongside of somebody else. Let them shadow you because that's what they need is relationships. So they can move forward. I tell people homosexuality, as I said earlier, is not the issue, it's the manifestation. It's a process. Nothing happens right away. And that's with any of us. Now, I'm not putting God in the box. I know God can snap his fingers and it can be gone, but normally it just doesn't work like that. We need them to get the professional counseling that they need, possibly EMDR, which deals with trauma. I'm dealing with that right now. I'm in dealing with trauma in EMDR. What EMDR does, it, it works with you. It helps you to get your brain back to where it was in the beginning. Deal with some of the issues, the rape that I've been through, the abuse that I've been through. I went through an eating disorder. Well, I give my heart to Christ, but I'm still, t I'm still dealing with it. That's a process. I'm trying to deal with the pain and the hurt that I dealt with in my childhood. And yes, it can go all the way to our adult life. But it's one day at a time. Remember that God works on the inside, yeah. not the outside. The outside will come later. Let God change the heart first because he doesn't need your help. You don't need to play God Jr. He can do it all by himself. Come on. Uh, it's in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. It says, if anyone is in Christ, you're a new creature or a new creation. Now, the part of you that becomes new is your spirit. Right. But you, you're, most of your problems are in your head. It's your stinking thinking. Right. And your thinking did not get saved. Right? It did not get saved. And it won't. In fact, the Bible talks about renewing your mind or the salvation of your soul or your mind. So that's a process. Right. And then your body will not get saved until Jesus comes back. 
And Romans 7, 23 says the law of sin abides in your members or in your body. So your body's going to want to do some crazy stuff, right? That's why Paul said, 1 Corinthians 9, 27, he said, I, spirit, discipline my body and I bring it. So your body is it. Your body's the house you live in, right? And you need to bring it in subjection to your spirit. You let that new person that you are dominate your life. And that really is what sanctification is, is your spirit dominates all right, your, your body and you change the way that you think with the word of God. So our next question for you, I've got so many of them. All right. How do I help a child who's struggling with their gender identity? You know, that that's that's a tough one, because in this era that we're in right now, I mean, I, I feel bad for this, you know, young person here in the front, you know, growing up. But God has the answers. I believe that we need to train up our child in which way he or she should go so they'll never depart. But there's so many influences out there. You have TV. They're being told in school, this is normal. You have influences like television. You have schools, which I'll talk about tonight, how they're trying to indoctrinate your children. In schools, if you go to Minnesota, they just passed the bill that if a child wanted to transition, they can go to Minnesota. And they will, if the parents don't agree, they will take their child from you. It just passed. You can Google it at your leisure time. It's called the refuge bill. I call it the kidnapping bill. <laughs> They're kidnapping our children. They're indoctrinating our children. They want to take over parental rights. But we still have a responsibility as parents to raise our children so they don't depart. If they're watching things on TV or you're looking at their phones, I have a list here that I didn't read earlier, a few things we can do to protect our children. And I'll send pastor this list. Make sure your child gets what he or she needs at home. They need love and attention, your time, discipline in the home. Invest time for your children. Find out what is their passion. Do what they want to do, not what do what you want them to do, not what they want to do. Affirm your child's gender. For example, if you have a girl, make sure she knows that being a girl is special, valued. Yeah. It's okay to be feminine. Teach your daughter that speaking up and being heard doesn't distract from her femininity. If you have a boy, make sure he knows that being a boy is special, valued, and it's okay to be masculine. If your son has an interest that are traditionally considered feminine, dancing or art, teach him that it doesn't distract from his masculinity. I have a whole list here of a lot of those things, but I think those are some of the things that are important well, in the we'll, home. We'll, you'll give us that list. We'll post that list this week so people can, can grab a hold of it. How, how, would, how, how do you believe someone should respond when a relative or a friend invites them to a same-sex union yeah. ceremony? That's one of the number one questions that I get from a lot of parents because we all want to show our child or that special loved one that we love them. But love doesn't mean you have to compromise your morals and values. 
loving somebody is standing up for righteousness, standing up for truth. What I think you can do or what I believe you should do is number one, let them know that because of your faith and what you believe that marriage is between a man and a woman, that you cannot attend the wedding. And what we have a tendency of doing is thinking that attending the wedding is going to let them see that you love them. Only thing it does is you just stamp your approval on their union, which I know is not what you want to do, but that's what you have done. So my recommendation is not go, but be kind to them. And people say, well, should I send a gift? Well, if you're not going to go, I wouldn't send a gift because, again, you're sending a gift saying, hey, I support you and I support your union. That's really, really good. We appreciate that. Now, do you believe that gender is biological or psychological? Because so much of our culture today is telling us that gender is psychological. If I feel like I'm a woman, I'm a woman. So where do we... Where, it would be where, fun to ask them out there. I wonder if they would be all over the place, but it, <laughs> gender is biological. You know, Pastor talked about being born of body, soul, and spirit, but it is biological. But you know, Satan is the author of confusion. He mm-hmm. wants you to believe something different. If it doesn't line up with from Genesis to Revelation, we shouldn't believe it because God's going to align us with his word. He cannot go against his word. You know, it's funny that people will come to me and ask me, you know, was I born gay? You know, it doesn't line up with biblical principles. Um, Proverbs 23 said, you know, 23, 7, for as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You know, 1 Corinthians 14, for God is not the author of confusion. So don't allow yourself to be put in situations where you can be confused. For me, I really shelter myself. I hang around people that I know stand up for what I stand up for. Just because there are certain people, if it doesn't feel good to me, then I'm not supposed to be aligned with them. I don't care how well they preach the gospel. God has certain group of people that I believe he wants us to spend time with that. And sometimes when we get outside of that is when we start picking up things that are not based on biblical principles. Good. Now, another one of those tricky questions that that, uh, we get asked is when somebody has a different pronoun that they want to be addressed with, how would you address that situation? Wow. Um, that's confusing in and of itself, you know, and in California, I believe that if you do not address a homosexual transgender on their pronoun, then you can get thrown in jail. It's coming, folks. It ha- it's happening in Canada. I just believe we're years away from me possibly being thrown in jail, but I made a decision that I've dr- drawn the line in the sand. If that's where I have to wind up, that's where I'm going to wind up. And I'm saying that first. But if you named your child Sam or Mary, boy or girl, and they decide to transition and say, Mom, if you don't address me with this pronoun, then don't address me at all. Then don't address them at all. If you name them Mary or Sam, 
then that's how you should always address them because they are a male or a female. God did not bring that into their life that something Satan did. That's not of God. It doesn't even make sense. The alphabets have already been hijacked in ways that I just cannot explain. When you talk about over a hundred genders that are out there, when we know God only made two. Let's not be confused. Call them by the name that you gave them at birth. Yes. Uh, You know, as a church, we stand on the word of God, that the Bible is the inspired word of God. Now, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it says that all scripture, it's God-breathed. And I love one translation. It says it like this. It teaches us to live God's way. Right? It teaches us to live God's way. So in the beginning, God made them male and female. So God created two genders, not 100 genders. 64 genders or whatever somebody tries to tell you there are. There are two genders. Now, that we can give you drugs. They can cut something out. They can put something in. They can do all sorts of things. But a thousand years from today, if they dig up your bones, no matter what they did to you, they will take your bone and they will just look at one cell and they will say, that was a woman, that was a man. It's, 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 it is not in your, it, it does not change. You can think whatever you want to think, but it does not change reality, right? If I think that it's December, that doesn't make it December. Right? My thinking something does not change the truth. I can identify as a six-year-old boy, but it does not change the fact I'm 70. Right? And it's it's absolutely what you said. It's just absolutely ludicrous the way that our society has gone, right? And as a church and as every one of us as believers, we need to to get our identity and our worldview and our lifestyle from God's word, right? It teaches us to live God's way. And what our society does not want to recognize is that someday we're going to give an account. There's going to be a judgment day. There's going to be a judgment day. And you know who the judge is? It's God. God is going to be the judge. Right? And that's why we want to live God's way. Now, by the way, God's way is not the worst way. It's the best way. Jesus said it this way. He said, the thief, the devil, he only comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He said, but I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. When we live God's way, that's life, right? But when we live the devil's way, it's death. Somebody says it's a different lifestyle. It's a death style. It is a death style. God's way is the way of life. And Jesus said, it's an abundant life. Well, what else would you like to share with us before we... I love everything you said. I love how he piggybacks on everything that I said. I I think we all know this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Each and every one of us that have come into this world come from a woman, mm-hmm. not a trans man. <laughs> However, if you see a trans person pregnant, that's because it's really a woman that is trying to transition into a man who did not have gender reassignment surgery like Bruce Jenner did. Mm-hmm. Yep. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
We all have come through a woman, and that's why you're able to see a woman who has a beard and looks like a man get pregnant. It's because it's still a woman that is trying to do like I tried to do at one time, realizing that I couldn't live as a man. And a lot of people will say this, well, if Jesus was on planet Earth, wouldn't he be among the unsaved? or the transgenders or the homosexuals. Well, Jesus was among a lot of people. He didn't stay there, but I'll leave you with this. They walked away changed, not him. Yeah. Yes. Very good. Excellent. And so looking forward to tonight. Um, say if, if you feel comfortable doing it, would you just take hands with somebody? And I'm going to ask you to bow your head for just a moment. You know, we live in a culture today that the culture tells us, well, good people go to heaven and bad people, maybe if there's a hell, will go to hell. But the Bible does not teach that good people go to heaven and bad people go to hell. The Bible teaches that forgiven people go to heaven, forgiven people. And it doesn't matter how good you were, you need to be forgiven. So, In John chapter one and verse 12, the Bible says to as many as receive him, that's receive Jesus to them. He gives the right to be the children of God. Now, when you receive Jesus, you don't just say, oh, Jesus, I receive you, but you receive him as your king. You receive him as your Lord. You receive him by giving him your life. You become a follower of Jesus. It's not just you pray a prayer and everything is suddenly different. It's when you give him your heart and life and receive him as your king. You see, Jesus said, he said, go and make disciples. See, he's not just looking for somebody to pray a prayer. He's looking for somebody to become his disciple, to follow him, to give him their heart and their life. And let him make you new spirit, soul, and body. So if you're here today and you're, you're away from God, at one point you lived for God, but you've drifted away. We're going to pray together. But some of you, you don't know where you stand with God. If I'd say, are you a Christian? You say, well, I hope so. Are you going to heaven? Well, I'll find out when I die. The Bible says we've written these things that you may know that you have everlasting life. You see, you're not supposed to die and find out if you make it to heaven. You're supposed to know right now that you're forgiven, that you're right with God, that you're on your way to heaven. And if you don't know that, you're not where you should be with God. And I want you to pray this prayer with us. I want you to make these words your own and pray this prayer out loud. So I'm going to ask everybody to pray this prayer, right? Holding that person's hand. Just pray this prayer out loud making these words your your own words. Just say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe that his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again. Victorious over death, over sin, and over the devil. And I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. I'm going to be a follower of Jesus. 
I receive him as my Lord, my King, and my Savior. And I thank you. You've heard my prayer that my past is gone, that I'm a part of your kingdom. I am your follower, your disciple today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day, and we will see you again soon.